long day ahead of us. Shall we open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 12? Prayer as resting. Acts chapter 12. We have been using this scripture for quite a number of our messages on the subject of prayer. But we want to examine tonight what Peter saw that made him to sleep. We have always known him to be a sleeper, but the kind of sleep he was sleeping here was a different kind of sleep. When God told Abraham that his wife Sarai was going to give birth to a son, the Bible said she laughed. But eventually when they gave birth to Isaac, they had to call Isaac, Isaac, which is also to mean he laughed. The laughter of Sarai in the first place was different from the laughter of Sarah in the second place. The laughter of Sarah in the second place can be compared to what happened in Psalm 126. The Bible says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we will let them that dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our lips with rejoicing. So the sleep that Peter was sleeping in Acts 12 is different from the kind of sleep that he slept in Matthew 26 and also in Luke 9. You have always known him as a sleeper, but he was sleeping a different way now. Amen. So let's read together. Let me read and you follow. Verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping. Please underline that. The same night. The same night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and not just smote him but the angel also raised Peter up. He must have been deep in sleep. Saying again, he smote him, raised him up, and spoke to him. Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands on its own accord. And the angel said unto him, Guard thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment above thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wished not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second word they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city which opened to them of his own accord and they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord had sent his angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, 
the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. We are many, we are gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to her king named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened up the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. Second degree doubt. The first degree says, Thou art mad. The second degree says, It is his angel. It can't be him. Though they were praying, they were not expecting. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Shall we pray? Father, oh, that you may teach us tonight. Oh, that you may lead us to know the kind of peace that Peter enjoyed even while he was in the prison. Though he was in the prison, the prison was not in him. And so though everybody may not have been able to sleep that night, he slept. Father, teach us to learn about how to react to such situations when we are faced with them. We give you praise because of the entrance of your word tonight. Thank you because we will find a resting place in our spirits and will indeed be glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A long time ago, as I was reading this scripture, I was particularly baffled by Peter's ability of sleeping. It was something that surprised me. It was something that shocked me. I was surprised how he could sleep knowing what happened to James. I was surprised how he could sleep knowing the determination of Herod. I was surprised how he could sleep knowing that God had put him in a position of leadership among the apostles and that if he was overtaken by the present situation and circumstance he was faced with then the other apostles it would just be a matter of days or weeks before Herod begins to pick them one after the other and so I decided to study Peter before Pentecost and Peter after Pentecost. Because there must have been something that happened to him that made him capable of sleeping in the midst of all the hula-baloo. Because I perceive that in Jerusalem on that day, Peter was probably the only Christian that slept. Because if you read Acts chapter 12 verse 12, it says when he came out and went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, it says, many we are gathered together praying. And in verse 5, it says, prayer was made without ceasing of the church. In other words, he was able to sleep. He was probably the only person. Between Peter and the outside wall, he was separated by two gates. Sixteen soldiers. 
a determined herald. Change in the hand and in the leg. But between Peter and God, nothing separated them. Before Pentecost, you will see Peter a sleeper. In Luke chapter 9, verse 28, 29, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mount to pray, and he was transfigured before them, and Peter was busy sleeping. In Matthew 26, he took Peter, James, and John again to the garden of Gethsemane. While he was praying and bleeding blood, Peter was sleeping. Because Peter evidently did not take heed to the advice of Jesus, Jesus told him, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And he also told him, watch and pray that you fall, that you enter not into diverse temptation. But Peter would not listen. After Jesus was captured, Peter went to the enemy's fire and he was warming himself. And while he was warming himself by the enemy's fire, a small damsel saw him and said, you are Peter. You are one of them. He said, no, I'm not one of them. Another officer came and said, you are one of them. He said, I don't even know the man. And the third time, you are one of them. I'm not one of them. I don't even know the man. And he started swearing and cursing. And immediately the cock crew. Peter was shaken. He was Simon before Pentecost. Simon is a reed shaken by the wind. But after Pentecost, let us look at a different Peter now. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, Peter was in that prayer meeting. The Bible says, and prayer was made, I mean, the Bible says, this all continued in prayer with one accord together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. Peter was in that prayer meeting. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the Bible said, these all continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking of bread from house to house and in prayers. Peter was in that prayer meeting. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible said it was the ninth hour, Peter and John together walked hand in hand to the temple to pray. They had gone for the third hour of prayer. They had gone for the sixth hour of prayer. Now they were going for the ninth hour of prayer. You see Peter, after Pentecost, repenting of his prayerlessness. You see Peter now, a determined person. In Acts chapter 4, another prayer meeting occurred. And Peter was there. And in verse 31 of Acts 4, the Bible said when they had prayed, the whole place where they were was shaking. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. In Acts chapter 5, you now see Peter's ministry that has started in Acts chapter 3 blossoming. Anointing power with God is not something that can be copied. It is something that is earned and it is earned on your knees. In Acts chapter 5 Peter had become not just a man of God but God's man. As he walked the streets the people were bringing sick people and putting them on the street. least peradventure, the shadow of Peter falling upon them, we heal them. That is in Acts chapter 5. Peter's ministry 
had grown. He was no longer the man that was shaking in the Gospels. He had become a different man. The Bible said in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, and verse 1 to 3. He said, I beseech you therefore by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable spiritual service. And verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Over this weekend, we have been speaking to you. Our expectation is that you will no longer remain the same. Our aim and God's plan is that you will have been transformed just like Peter was transformed from the person he used to be before Pentecost to the person that we now see in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, you see Peter laying hands on the deacons and ordaining them. In Acts chapter 7, you see one of the deacons that Peter laid his hand upon, giving a testimony by the name of Stephen. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 5, Philip, one of the deacons that was ordained in Acts 6, went down to Samaria, and there he preached Christ. And the people gave heed to the thing that Philip spake when they heard and saw the miracles that were done by Philip. For unclean spirits, shouting with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed. And many that were sick and that were lame and had the palsy were healed. And verse 8 of Acts 8 says, And there was great joy in that city. And in verse 14, when you look down to verse 14 of Acts 8, the Bible said it was, soon, it was soon herald in Jerusalem that Samaria had received the gospel. And when they were going to send two people to Samaria, they sent Peter and John. And verse 15 tells us that who when they were came, who when they came to Samaria, prayed for the people that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So you see that Peter is now identified more and more in Acts of Apostles with prayer. He had repented. The Bible said in Acts chapter 17 verse 30. The time of ignorance. God has winked at. He has now commanded everywhere that everybody should repent. If you realize what your responsibilities ought to be. What manner of man ought you to be if you will not repent. Knowing the benefits. Peter saw the ministry of Jesus. He saw the power in the ministry of Jesus. He saw the efficacy in the ministry of Jesus. He saw the anointing. He saw the grace. And he knew how much he had been missing. And after Jesus left, he took it upon himself to keep the fire of prayer alive in his own soul. Jesus taught him. Jesus showed him an example. But he slept. And Jesus said, What? Could you not watch with me for an hour? When Peter now looked back, at the moment when he denied Jesus, he knew it was because he had no prayer power. And so he repented. In Acts 8, he prayed for them that they received the Holy Ghost. While Philip was a preacher, John was a follower, it was Peter, because of his prayer life, and because of his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, who could locate Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer joined himself together with the converts. And he said, let us go on like we have been going on. But Peter perceived 
The Bible said Peter looked at him and perceived, and he said, I perceive that you are still in the girl of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The Peter of the Gospels can't perceive anything. He cannot even see his nose. He was sleeping on the Mount of Transfiguration and he didn't even know it. But now, he had become spiritually sensitized. He had become spiritually awakened. He is now alive from the dead. Ephesians 5, 14 says, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. The Peter of the Acts of Apostles was now living, according to Romans 6, verse 4, in newness of life. The Peter of Acts of Apostles according to Romans chapter 7 verse 6 was now serving a newness of spirit. He was no longer the man he used to be. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, and we all with open faces, beholding us in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We have been transformed from one level of glory to another level of glory by the spirit of the Lord. A transformation took place in the attitude of Peter towards prayer. A transformation took place in his heart in his life, in his ministry. And by the time you get to Acts 9, when somebody died, who did they send for? They said, God sent for Peter. And when they sent for Peter, when he came, in verse 40 of Acts 9, the Bible said he, he commanded everybody to go out. And he kneeled down. What a glorious statement. Is it this same Peter? Yes! He kneeled down on his knees and he prayed in Acts chapter 9 verse 40. And he turned to the body of the woman, Dorcas, and he spoke to that woman and that woman revived. That is a different Peter. That is the Peter that discovered the secret that his master tried to get across to him. But he was too dense to get it. But one way or the other, he got it at last. One way or the other, he got it at last. One way or the other, he caught hold of the truth. One way or the other, he realized the mistake he's been making. I like steaks, but I don't like mistakes. Hallelujah. I love eating steaks, but not mistakes. Amen. The Bible said in James chapter 1 verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren. You err because you don't know the scriptures. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. You err because you don't know the scriptures, neither the power of God. And so Peter spoke to that woman and the woman came back to life. In Acts 10, you see Peter again. What happened in Acts 10? The Bible said in those days, Peter went to the, to the top of the house. Peter already had a closet. Oh my God. In those days, you can't find Peter on top of the house. Where will you find him? Along the streets. Where will you find Peter? In the safaris in Kenya. Where will you find Peter? In the marketplace, chatting up the ladies. Where will you find Peter? You will find him in every place except the housetop. The Bible said he went to the housetop to pray. And as he was praying, he became very hungry. And because his wife was slow in cooking, because she was using kerosene or wood stove, Peter fell into the trance. All things work together for good. He wouldn't have fallen into that trance if he had eaten food. Amen. I find it easy to fall into trance when you're hungry. Amen to Jesus. Like you've been fasting for the last couple of days now. You discover that when you sleep, you don't know whether you're in the physical or in the spirit. Or you're in the physical or in the spirit. You don't even know where you are. Praise God. God is taking you to higher dimensions. And in that vision, 
God showed him. But he prayed before he fell into the vision. That was in Acts 10. And in Acts 11, you find Peter defending the cause of the gospel in the church in Jerusalem. And then in Acts 5, they put him to jail. Hallelujah. When you look at his background, you can know where he's coming from. You can know that that kind of a man is not going to end up like James ended up. Because something was right about him now. The Bible said in the book of Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I, read, I like one translation. The, the Knox translation of that verse. He said, when a man leaves the way God wants him to leave, he will make your enemies your well-wishers. That's what he does. That's what he operates. He will turn the hand of the clock backward in your favor. And so Peter was put in prison. And so one day as I was reading, I came to the point, he said, and Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Let me tell you something. Those two soldiers were not sleeping. One of the characteristics of a Roman soldier is that he has the capacity and the capability to stand on one spot for 12 hours without betting an eyelid and without sleeping. And he was sleeping between two of them. Probably snoring. Hallelujah. Now, I asked myself, I said, God, what, what, is, what is Peter's confidence? Why, why could he sleep? Everybody's busy praying, Peter. Why are you sleeping? And God showed me something. Let me show you. Open to John 21. St. John's Gospel chapter 21. The day I saw this, it's wonderful. John 21. And I want to read verse 18. Here, Jesus was telling Peter about the way Peter's life was going to end. The scripture here tells us in verse 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, this is Jesus speaking to Peter now. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou guardest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall guard thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he, Peter, should glorify God. Jesus told him how long he was going to live. Jesus gave Peter a revelation. He said, when you were young, you could go where you wanted to go. You went wherever you wanted to go. He said, but you are going to grow old to such a point that another person will lead you by the hand. Peter had that word from God. Was it the word that Peter had that made him sleep? No. Because there are hundreds of people who hear the same word and die. Was it the word that Peter had? If it is the word that Peter had, then Christians ought not to die young. Because there are so many scriptures that says you will live long. But yet, they don't live long. Why is it so? 
Now let me make a distinction at this point. There is a difference between the word of God and the God of the world. There is a difference between what God said and the God who said it. Peter's faith was not so much in what was said. Peter's trust was in the God who said it. And that is why Peter could sleep. Some other person could hear the same thing and they will not be able to sleep. They will not be doubting the word, but they will be doubting the person who said it. The problem of most believers is not that the word does not say it. Is that they don't have confidence in the God who said it. They may not accept it, but that's what it is. There is a God of the word, and there is a word of God. The word of God is plain. You shall not die, but live to declare all my works. With long life, will I satisfy you and show you my salvation? But why are you afraid? Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17 says, I will restore health unto you and will heal you of all your wounds. But why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? If all it takes for you to live long is because God said it. All it takes to live long is not because God said it, it's because you have confidence in the God who said it. Abraham did not believe the promise. He believed the God of the promise. Romans 4.20 says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, being fully persuaded that God who promised is faithful. Abraham's confidence was in God's nature and not in what God said. Are you listening to what I'm saying at all? If you are going to enjoy prayer as resting, then you have to know that when you pray to God, in line with his word, your confidence should be in the God and not just in the promise. It's very easy for doubt to come into the heart of a man who believes the word, but it's very difficult for doubt to come into the heart of a man who trusts in a God. There are two words. Believe and trust. You believe what is said. You trust the person who said it. At times we find it difficult to believe what is said. Because we don't trust the person. If the person is a liar for example. And he lies. And he says well tomorrow about this time. The pastor said he will be distributing. One bag of rice each. If you know that man, you will say, Oh no, you are lying. It's not so. You are not doubting what he said, you are doubting his nature. You know, he's a liar. And that's why you cannot hold what he says right. That's why you cannot sleep. You cannot sleep not because the promise is not there, but because you have doubt about the character of the person who made the promise. And that is where the problem is nowadays. Peter always, Peter was aware that the scripture says God will deliver. The Bible said in Psalm 79, verse 11, let the sign of the prisoners come unto you, O God, 
and according to the greatness of your power deliver them that have an appointment with death the bible said in psalm 102 verse 20 to hear the groanings of the prisoners and to deliver them that have an appointment with death the bible said in psalm 142 verse 7 bring my soul out of prison O god and i will praise and glorify you the bible said in psalm 146 verse 7 he executed judgment for the oppressed he giveth food to the hungry and he looseneth the prisoners those are things the bible said but peter was not sleeping based on what the bible said peter was sleeping based on the person who said those things he did not pillow his head on the promise he pillowed his head on the person who made the promise and that is why he could rest many people pray and believe god for healing but they are still afraid not because the promise is not good but because they have their reservations about the person who made the promise they find it difficult to understand that the person who made the promise really means it long ago God said these words to me he said I mean what I say and I say what I mean he said so wherever you get me saying anything know that that is what I want to do God is not a joker he is not a jester He's not trying to entertain you. He's not trying to fill the book with words. He is back of what he said. He is supportive of what he His nature is his word. For his word to fail, then God will have to fail and God cannot fail. Therefore, his word cannot fail. The Bible tells us about God supporting and backing his word. If you are going to rest when you pray, you don't just believe the word, you believe the person who said it. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? What he says, he will do it because of who he is. Has he spoken it and will he not make it good? Those are the fundamental rubrics. Those are the foundation those are the rock upon which you will stand your resting. Peter knew Jesus who said it. He, he went about with him for three and a half years. He knew that heaven and earth will pass. But what Jesus said will never pass. That's why he could sleep. That's why he could sleep. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8. The grass withered it. The flower faded. But the word of our God standeth sure forever. God's word will stand forever because God also stands forever. Psalm 102 verse 27 says thou art the same and thou hast never changed. You see, God is not changing. His promises never change because he doesn't change. The Bible said in Luke 16, 17 it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for a jot or a title of God's word to go without being fulfilled. What I'm challenging you to tonight is that you should develop your confidence, your trust in God. Familiar with who God is. When you're familiar with who God is, you will be able to go out with no other evidence except what he said. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for a jot 
or a title of God's word to go without being fulfilled. Peter was rest assured. To trust means to rest upon the integrity of another person. To rest upon the integrity of another person. To trust means to rest upon the friendship of another person. Do you know God says you are his friend? Do you know Jesus said you are his friend? I don't know. You know at times we are afraid and fearful concerning what we are not supposed to be afraid of or fearful about. If God says fear not, I am with you. Never doubt it. Even if you doubt what he said, never doubt the person who said it. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will uphold you. I will strengthen you with the right hand of my righteousness. He said those words. Peter prayed. But he prayed the Bible way. When after you pray, you still have anxiety and worry about what you are praying, you have a problem with trust. You have a problem with trust. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. The B part says, I will have you without carefulness. One translation says, I want you to be free from anxieties. Another one says, I don't want you to worry. Imagine if a rich man sees you and said, Brother Dema, you know he's a multimillionaire, and he says, I don't want you to worry. Now, if you know he is a millionaire, you will not just rest on, I don't want you to worry. You have to know that he's a millionaire. Because if you are going to rest on, I don't want you to worry, you have a lot to worry about. The problem is that many of us don't know God. We know the Bible, but we don't know the God of the Bible. We quote scriptures glibly with our mouth. But we are not familiar with the person who backs up the scripture with effectual performance. And that is where the problem is most of the time. That is where the anxiety still is. That is where the doubt comes from. That is the zone. The devil will always try to shake your confidence in God. He cannot stop you believing because when you read, you can believe. But he can say, do you think that's what he said? Do you think that's what? When he came to Eve, he tried to shake Eve's confidence in God. He said, has God said? Is that what he said? Is it, is it talking about a spiritual mountain or a physical mountain? And then you, you begin to doubt. And then you begin, I don't want you to worry. He said it. Listen to me. If he does not have the resources to remove worry from my life, he will not say such a thing. Our confidence, our trust, com trust is based on the friendship of another. You know one thing about me, I've come to the point, I see God as my friend. Lazarus was the friend of Jesus. Abraham, the father of God, was God's friend. Abraham, the father of faith, was God's friend. The Bible calls him God's friend. And listen to what one thing the Bible talks about being our friend. Proverbs 18, 24. It says, he that has friends must show himself friendly. 
but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's there with you. He said, I will be with you in trouble. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked into the fire, he went into the fire with them. He said in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, it shall not overflow thee. When thou passest through the fire, it shall not burn thee, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Now, listen to me. He says what he means, and he means what he says. God is who God says he is. But most of the time, we stagger. We stagger at the promise of God because we don't know who God is. We stagger at it. Does he really mean it? That's too good to be true. That's too beautiful to be true. The devil will even tell you, do you think that's what God can do for you? You wretched man, do you think that's what he can do for you? Tell him that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above because you are, his only, you are also his child. And whatever any child of God has a right to, you have a right to. I don't want you to worry. That's what he said. Peter was relying on the person of God. Peter was relying on the nature of God. To trust means to have confidence in. It means to rely upon. It means to put all your hope in somebody based on the character of that person. I'm talking about the character of God now. I'm not talking about what he said. He's wonderful to read through the Bible and still end up doubting what he said. I remember there was a pastor who was preaching on faith one time in a series of seminar and in the, in the morning of the next day he woke up to discover that his testes had swollen double and instead of praying the prayer of faith he went somewhere else and they were looking for where is the pastor teaching us this is a pastor who does not take what he's feeding people with if what you teach does not work for you it won't work for people hallelujah because whatsoever is born of the flesh is flesh whatsoever is born of the spirit is spirit a man of God this man wrote quite a number of books. He was a child, uh, Chinese. Uh, I've forgotten his name now. He wrote Spiritual Man. Watch my knee. This man said, if the revelation of God's word that you have is in your head, when you teach people, it will go into their head. If the revelation of God's word that you have is in your mouth, if you teach them, it will just be hovering around their ears. If the revelation you have of the word of God you are teaching people is from your heart, it will penetrate their hearts and it will cause a change in them. Peter had prayed. He had gotten to know a God. You see, in prayer, we visit God. In prayer, we get acquainted with God. A man of prayer will tell you, God will not do that. He will tell you based on the person he knows. He will not, he will not tell you based on what he read. He may not be able to tell you based on what he read, but he will tell you based on the person he knows. Peter was sleeping there based on the person that he knows. Do you know him? Paul speaking in 1 Timothy 1 12. He said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed into his hands against that day. I know whom I have believed. His faith was not based on what he said. His faith was based on the person who said it. Do you know him whom you have believed? That's why at times you see people. They pray, 
but they have doubts. Look at the other people they were praying like Peter prayed. In fact, there were so many, but it was a concert of unbelief gone to see. They were praying, and when their answers, the answer to their prayer came, they said, oh, I'm surprised it came so soon. You know, at times, some people say, ah, I'm surprised the way God touched me. Now, we what used to say, I'm not surprised when things happen. I'm surprised when things don't happen. Because things have to happen. Wigglesworth was a man. He said this about his prayer life. He said, I have never prayed once for more than 30 minutes, but I have never gone for 30 minutes without praying. He lived in the presence of God. Somebody asked him one time, they said, how do you rest? They said, Wigglesworth, you are so active. How do you rest? He said, I rest in the presence of the Lord. He doesn't play games. He said, whenever I want to rest, I just rest in the presence of the Lord. Whatever that meant to him, it was working for him. Amen to Jesus. Now, brother Joe, what are you talking about? That was the reason why Peter could sleep. A word had been, had been given him by Jesus. And he was responding to that word, not because of the word that was spoken, but because he had become familiar by his attitude towards prayer with the person who gave him the word. The Bible said, by two immutable things for which it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6 18. Which means even if God wants to lie, he cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Titus 1 2 says, God, who cannot lie, have promised. He talks about his nature. Then talk about the promise. Your confidence. Your trust, your reliance should be on the person who made the promise. In Philippians 4 6, there is another prayer promise. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. The way Peter was sleeping passes all understanding. You can't imagine. What does he rely on? He doesn't have a pulse. He doesn't have a knife. He doesn't have a gun. The disciples were busy running around and running about. Now, the peace of God that passes all comprehension. That was what was keeping Peter there. How did the peace come? He slept so deeply and so soundly that it took a carat chop from an angel to wake him up. The Bible said he smote him by the side. He raised him up. Said Peter. That is somebody that was about to be killed the next day. How he could be in that kind of a state of heart baffles my imagination. But you see he had a word. And the word for from somebody that he knows. If you know somebody, if he, if they said he said something, you could easily say no, he didn't say that. Why? Because you know him. You not that not that what he said is wrong in its context. For example, if I tell you Doctor Adeyemo here, who holds a degree in theology, if I said, well, you know, Doctor Adeyemo last week told me that cows in Kenya have only three legs. 
Now you will tell me, no, you, you could, well, you may say, well, cows in Kenya have three legs, but you know Dr. Dema is not dumb to say such a thing. So you easily say, no, he didn't say so. But if I said, a little boy along the road there, who does not have a shoe on, who does not even have an underpants, said, cows in Kenya have three legs. You said, yes, he might have said that. So what am I talking about this night? I'm talking about prayer as resting. The prayer that is as a result that produces resting is a prayer that comes as a result of familiarity with the God who makes the promise that you are going to God and expecting God to bring to pass in your life. Now for some time let me speak shortly on trusting. What does it mean to trust? Trust does not mean wishful longing. Some people say, well, I, I hope it will be so. Well, Hopefully so. We are believing God. Now, you are not believing. Why say you are believing God? That's nothing like that. It's either you have believed God or you don't believe. We are believing God. It makes you just, you know, probably maybe somehow, well, well, he could make it, he may not make it well. Let's just hope, hopefully so. Someday, somehow, somewhere, sometimes, he may think about, well, well, you, you think. Now, you see, when you do that, it's not wishful longing. Trusting is utter certainty. Trusting is restful assurance. Trusting is confidence in. Based on the nature of the person who made the promise. He's wanting to believe the word. Now let me say this to you. When you believe what the Bible says, and the period between when you believe what the Bible says and when it happens is long, you may cast away your confidence if you don't trust. I told you this morning about my experience as I held on to the promise of God. I held on not so much as what God said, but as a result of the fact that I know that God will not disappoint me. That was why I held on. That was why I stayed there. Ah, no, God will not disappoint me. No, he will not. I was trusting more in his nature than in what he said. Prayers, resting, is the way to pray. I was going to talk about trust. Let us look at some things the Bible said about trusting. Proverbs 35. He says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Now listen to the B part. And lean not to your own understanding. What does that mean? One translation says, trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. Do not look to your senses for support. Another one says, do not rely on your own insight. Another one says, do not depend on your own perception." There was a doctor in Nigeria. Listen to this that happened. Some brothers brought a dead man to his hospital. This is a doctor. He's been, he's, he's been a, a heart specialist for 15 years. Cardiothoracic specialization. And the brothers brought this dead man. And the Holy Spirit said to him, admit him. Now this is a dead man. Lean not. He said the scripture says, lean not to your own understanding. A dead man does not have any vein. You can put any injection in. 
a dead man is dead. A dead man, I mean, he's thief already. But the Holy Ghost says, admit him. He said, well, praise God. You know, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Huh? Glory to God. And he said, okay, bring him in. They took the man and put the man on the, on the bed. And he put a drip on the man's hand. Just set up a drip for him. Because the Holy Ghost says, the man is not dead. But the man is dead. Can't you see, doctor? Don't you have your books of medicine, Brother Tokuba? Don't you know there's no pupillary reflex? No pause? Can't you see? That's what trust is. Glory to God. Trust. He said, the brother said, I don't care what medicine say now. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I hear. But I know God said, this man is not dead. Oh, somebody said you are a damn man. No, you're very fanatical. What is this? He said, Yes, I'm a fanatical person. I'm a fanatic of Jesus. First day, no change. This is something that was documented. It's a historical document. The man's name is Augustine Chidiose. First day, nothing happened. He just put the drip there, and the drip was going down. Nobody knew where it was going to. Second day, the man was still as dead as he was, and the drip was, and they were changing the drips. The third day, on the fourth day, the man came back from the dead. The man is alive and well now, preaching the gospel. He's an evangelist across the country. He is a 20th century example of somebody coming back from the dead. How did he reap such a harvest of miracle? It's because of trust. Trusting more in God who said it and not in what was said. He had so much confidence in the God who said it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He didn't say trust in the Lord with half of your heart. If you are trusting with half of your heart and doubting with the other, you are like a city divided against itself. Half of it is faith, the other one is, is doubt. Such a city will never amount to anything. So, brother George, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the father. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. One of the greatest undoing of people is what they think they know. He, he that thinketh he knoweth, knoweth not yet like he ought to know. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Galatians 6, 3. He that thinketh he is something when he is nothing, that person deceiveth his own self. When it comes to trusting, at the age of 100 years, Abraham went to the children's department in the departmental store. Why did he go there? Was it because God told him? 25 years ago, God said it. In history, it would have been forgotten. But he knew that the God was not just a God of history, he's a God that is relevant now. At the age of 100 years, Sarah, his wife, went with him to the departmental store and they said what kind of a napkin are we going to choose for our firstborn you see we just have to choose the best napkin you see because you know that boy is just coming i know he's coming for 25 years we we're doing that what were they doing trusting there was nothing in their understanding that could say that could happen okay god said to them, a group of people the israelites he said begin to circle this mountain begin to circle it i mean if you want to fight a war you don't just begin to circle he said, circle the first day and go back to camp. Oh no, Joshua, you have lost your mind. What about the artilleries? Let's bring them out. 
He said, no, just keep circling. Oh, Lord, keep circling. Lean not to thine own understanding. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. It is, verse 9 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And Psalm 118, verse 8 says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Trusting is always better. Peter held on to the promise because of the person who made the promise. The promise is not good if the person who made the promise is unreliable. But because the person who made the promise is reliable, then the promise is good. I'm holding on to the word because the promise is good. When I was coming to this country, I have not been here before. I saw a letter reaching by Dr. Tokumbo and I went to the airport. Somebody said, do you know about the church? I said, I don't know anything about the church. Now, why are you coming? Because I can rely on this man. Because I know he will not lie to me. Amen. Because I know I have met him once and I have seen that his spirit is a child of God's spirit. Some other person will write me a letter and I will not even turn up. Because I know he may just be writing me a letter just to divert my attention and distract me and throw me off balance and take me to some other strange place I don't even intend to go. It was him that made me to come because I have not been here before I don't even know this church exists but because I relied on him I remember somebody asked me he said do you really know the church you're going to I said I don't even know anything about the church I'm going he said do you know how big it is I don't even know how big it is he said why are you going I said because of the person who wrote me the letter that was the only reason why I came that was the only reason why I entered the flight and I just stayed there cool sleeping away like Peter was sleeping in the prison. Somebody said, if you are, somebody told me, said, if you land in Kenya and there was no MPC, I said, it's impossible. Not because I know one exists, but because him told me. Hallelujah. So your confidence and your trust is not wishful longing, it's utter certainty based on your understanding of the nature and the character and the friendship of that person. Do you know one of the reasons why I don't doubt the word of God? It's because of Proverbs 17, 17. He says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. No matter what I'm going through, I have such a confidence in me. Not based on just knowing what the Bible says, but based on the God who said it long time ago my wife was going to bring her firstborn to the wall she's sitting here as a living testimony of what I'm saying she went to the hospital and they tested her and they said my lord the child's head is up and the legs are down and so they said it's a pity your child will have to come to the world with the leg I said goody goody I said is that true they said well that's what it is she came home and told me gave me the evil report the first thing we did was to get some scriptures in the Bible that talk about turning and turning and turning and turning. Because the head has to come down, the leg has to go up. <laughs> Listen to this. And so when she came on and she told me what happened, I said, well, you get scriptures and begin to turn. The doctor said the pregnancy had already progressed beyond the time that the child can turn on its own. 
I said, well, let me look at the Bible whether there are examples of people coming to the world with leg. You see, I don't, I don't have any understanding. If you check the medical books, you see people coming with leg. If you check the hospital records, you see people coming with leg. But when you check the Bible, there is no record. I saw only two places. One place. You remember Esau and Jacob? The Bible said they were struggling to come out. And Esau, I mean Jacob, held on to the leg of Esau. If Esau had come with the leg, how would Jacob have been able to hold on to the leg? I said, God, that's number one. Number two, you remember the sons of Pharaoh and the sons of Noah? Who gave back to two people, Pharaoh and Kerai? They were struggling to come out. You remember that story in, in the Bible? And the Bible said one of them, as they were struggling, brought out his hand. And they tied a red skeleton around the hand. If they were struggling to come out with the leg, the hand will not come out. I said, God, these are two examples. So, but two immutable things, for by which it is impossible for God to lie. I said, God, you can do everything, but there's one thing you cannot do. He has never done it before. He will never do it. He's not thinking about doing it. Somebody say what it is. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. The Bible says she will be delivered in childbirth if she continues in faith, sobriety, and holiness. The Bible says, will I bring to birth and fail to cause to come forth? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. Luke chapter 2 verse 6 says, when Elizabeth's time came that she should deliver, she brought forth a son. I told my wife, I said, there is only one thing I cannot believe. And that is I cannot believe that you can die. I said, I believe because God will never lie. All those scriptures, they are as good as the person of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Heaven and now will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. So shall my words be that proceed out of my mouth. It shall not return to be void. Isaiah 55, 11. And we kept turning. We kept turning with the scriptures. Whenever she was not sleeping, and she was not eating, and she was not drinking, and she was not talking, she kept saying, the heart of kings are in the hands of the Lord. You turn it, the way, you turn it like the cause of a river. If you can turn the cause of a river, you can turn my baby. Oh God. And so the day she went to labor, she went to the hospital, and one of the people examined her and said, oh, the leg is still down, and the head is up. She just smiled and went past the man. Amen. I mean, she smiled and went past the man. Because we had prayed at home. Everybody in the hospital was expecting the legs to come first. Our, our labor was delayed. It seemed that the child was not going to come the normal way. Somebody said, where were you? I was at home. I wasn't pacing up and down the corridor of the hospital and said, That is not prayer. That resting. That is agitating yourself. That's no faith at all. I remember I was just sleeping and enjoying myself when one of the deacons came to my house. Oh, good deacon. And the deacon came and said, Pastor. Is your wife back? I said, no, she's not back yet. He said, well, we thank God. I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, well, you know, things happen and at times one may not be able to understand. I said, oh, yeah. He said, I, have, I had a good friend, a good friend of mine. I said, oh, good, good. Where is he? Oh, he said, his wife was trying to deliver some time ago. You know, and the husband did not even take it very seriously. He stayed at home. Now, how seriously can I take it? 
The Bible said in Psalm 44, verse 6, I will not put my trust in my weapon, neither will my sword save me. How seriously can I take it? Was I the one who put the baby there? <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> well, somebody said, "Why? Well, listen to me now. Listen to me now. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. It says, Paul plant, Apollo water, God give the increase. It is not him that planted that is anything, or he that watered, but God that give the increase. So was I the person who put it there? No. The Bible tells us that children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. The Bible said, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. <laughs> and you know this thinking, he thought he will make me patient up and down. I said, Le gara. I said, brethren, join me. He gara mama mama. Brethren, join me. Aramba kolowo. He thought he was going to meet me like that. But I was just waking up from a cool sleep. And he asked me, he said, how dare you sleep? I said, well, I don't know where I'm sleeping, but let me read some scriptures to you. Then I opened Proverbs 3, 24. He said, you will lie down and sleep, and your dream will be sweet. I said, I even dreamt now that my, my wife gave back to a boy. And the deacon said, you are not taking this thing very seriously. I said, how will I take it? The Bible said in the book of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says, the fear of a man bringeth a snare. But he that put in trust in the Lord shall dwell safely. Man's confidence in himself, man's confidence in his ability, man's confidence in other people, man's confidence in his riches, man's confidence in his weapon have been the greatest undoing of man. The Bible said in John 3.30 He must increase and I must decrease. And the deacon told me he said, well, I was telling you about the brother and the wife. And the wife, in the process of giving back to this baby, she died. Oh, I said, she died. He said, yes. I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul devil. He looked behind him. He said, what are you talking to? I said, I'm talking to the spirit of the devil in you. I said, get it behind me. Get it behind me. Because thou suffered not the thing that be of God, but the thing that be of man. My girl, my wife will not die but live to declare the goodness of the Lord. Children are the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. He shall not die, she will live. Oh, he said, okay, sir. Okay, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I told him, I said, if you had brought a good tidings, your feet would have been beautiful. But you brought an evil report, so your feet is bad. Get out of my house in the name of Jesus. You know the Bible says, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So I drove him out. And when he left, the devil says, Oh, do you now think you have more faith than that woman that died? 
I said, I don't compare myself with anybody. Amen. I know whom I have believed. My faith is in God. My trust is in God. I'm not going to compare myself with, your, with anybody. If you fail, that does not mean I'm going to fail. If you go under, that does not mean I'm going to go under. Everybody will live and exist by his own faith. I said, devil, get thee behind me. They told my wife in the hospital, if you don't deliver by 2 o'clock, we take you to the theater. My wife later told me that she had confidence that the baby was going to come normally. They tested her. They said the leg was down. The head was up. One fifteen. PM. Before everybody knew what was happening, here come the head of a boy. A big head. Glory to God. Hallelujah! I had that implicit confidence in my God. You'll be able to say, I know him whom I have believed. The Bible said in Proverbs 16.3, let me begin to close now finally, and I'm in it this time. It says, commit thy works to the Lord. Commit thy works to the Lord. You know, many of us cannot hand over things to God. We think if we overlook it, it will be better. Let me give you this testimony. Two testimonies, really. There was this testimony of a woman during the Second World War when the German big aircraft would be bombing cities all over Europe and everybody was running to the bomb shelter and everybody will run to the bomb shelter and go to the ground so that they can be away from, you know, the bombs that were coming from the big German aircrafts. And so there was a Christian woman in the community. They didn't see the woman in the shelter for about a week. And almost everybody thought the woman was dead. But after a week, they saw her on the road in the city with the little woman with a little handbag. She was going to the market. And some brothers stopped her and said, Hey, where have you been all this while when the German aircraft will be bombing and everybody will be running for shelter where have you been oh the little woman said the other time I read in the bible that he that keepeth me does not sleep and he does not slumber he said so there is no need for me not to sleep and him not to sleep so I make him stay awake and I sleep that is the description of trust another testimony a man and a woman were riding on, you know, it was in those days when they had carriages and horses and they used to drive with carriages and horses. There were no cars, fast cars and buses like we now have. And they were riding, the husband and the wife, and they had these reins in their hand, you know, the long rope you hold. And as they got to the place, it was very dangerous and the, the whole thing was shaking and the wife just went for one of the reins and said, come on, give me one. The husband had two of each in his hands and he was just going through. But the wife was, you know, she became G3 and so she, she collected one of the reins. Oh, the husband just quietly handed over to her the second one. He said, if you want it, and though she, she found it difficult to control the horse, I said, ah, why did you leave it to me? He said, because you wanted it. When you trust, you give everything to him completely. You commit your life to him. The Bible said in first. Peter chapter 2 verse 23 Jesus committed himself to him that judges righteously in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 19 he said you are expected to commit your soul unto the faithful creator and in Psalm 37 he said you should commit your ways unto him trust also in him and he will bring it to pass most of the time we have these things in our hands after you have prayed leave it there 
there is a song we sing. It says, Leave it there, leave it there. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring it past. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. You know, some people take their boardings to God, they come to the altar, they come to pray, and when they go, they take their burden back. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring it to pass. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there, oh, leave it there. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring it to pass. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. Oh Lord, tonight. As you go to him with your bodies, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible said in Psalm 55, verse 22, Cast your bodies on him, and he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Peter was saying so many years after, This is the last verse I'm going to quote. Hallelujah. When Peter was sleeping, I now went, after I saw him sleeping, I went through the whole book of Peter. I wanted an advice from him. A man who could sleep in the middle of the storm must have a word he wants to give to me. I said, Peter, what's your advice to me? When I saw him sleeping. Now, listen to me. I am a follower of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Anybody can, that can sleep when they are bombing, I want to hear from him. I said, Peter, what's your advice to me? He said, First Peter 5, 7. Casting. Anybody say casting. Again. He didn't say cast or casted. He said casting. Present continuous. Casting all your cares on him. Why? For he careth for me. Who are the people he cares for here? Let me see your hand. Wife, if your husband is unsaved, once just cast him on God. Don't let him bother you with his drinking. Don't let him bother you this last night. Oh, I cannot but give this testimony. Let me close. This is my last night. You just allow me to do this. A father and a mother had only one daughter. At the age of 22, she walked out of the home. When she walked out of the home, nobody knew where she could ever be. The father and the mother, in order to fulfill all righteousness, went to the police. I said, well, please, we have to tell you this. Our child have just gone on traveling around the country. She's not back home, but we can't see her. We just have to lodge this complaint because we have, you have to have a criminal statistics of what is happening. So we just tell you this. And so whenever they pick up a girl in the pool, they will ring them up. Come and look at her, whether she's the one. They say she can never be the one. Because after they reported to the police, they came home and said, God, we cast that girl on you. Wherever she is, take control of her life. Do everything, O oh God, to bring her back home. 
we are not going to worry ourselves. You know, there are some mothers, when your boy is wayward, and he drives very fast in the night, and comes on 2 a.m., you will not sleep. You have to be beaten. You come to the church and give us prayer requests, and you go home, and your heart will be beaten. Why do we pray? There's no need for us to pray. You are busy worrying at home, and we are busy praying here. Yeah? We are not harmonizing. Let your request be made known unto God, and then be anxious for nothing, and then the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. This girl did not come home. One year, two years, three years, four years, the police will ring them up. There is a dead body here of a girl that has not been picked up. Come and look at her. She is the one. They said, no, she can never be the one. We have already cast her on the Lord. She is already God's property. She bears on her, ma- on her body the marks of Jesus. She was not saved. Three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, eleven years, twelve years. It seemed all hope of she coming home was almost lost. Thirteenth year. In the morning. The father and the mother were just getting ready to go to church as usual. They didn't allow their child be missing bothering them. Then there was a distant call. Hello, daddy. It's me, Jennifer. Yesterday I went to the club and a man spoke to me about Jesus and I gave my life to Christ. Daddy, I want to come back home. I want to come back home. I want to come back home. By the next available flight, she was back home and they went to the church together. Who says prayer and resting will not deliver you out of prison? In fact, the reason why you have been in the prison is because you refuse to rest after you have prayed. Peter was sleeping. <laughs> Glory to God. Shall we rise on our feet and bless him? Come on. Let us rise on our feet and bless him. Glory to God. Lift up your hands and worship him who lives forever. Glorify him who is the king of kings forever. What are you bothering about after you have prayed? Why don't you leave it with God? When your prayer life changes after this weekend, you'll be able to pray and sleep like Peter did. You will forget your sorrows. You will forget your pains. You will forget your illnesses. Because God will go to work. Lift up your voice and pray. Come on. Lift up your voice. We are only praying for five minutes only. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Hot one, hot one, hot one. Where's the evangelist here? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's call upon the name of Jesus. Let's call upon the name of the Lord. We can trust 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 the Lord. The Lord is dependable. The Lord is trustworthy. The Lord is consistent. The Lord can be trusted. Let's trust the Lord tonight. Let's faith arise. In the, the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are counting on you, Lord. We are counting on you, Lord. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. He means what he says. He says what he means. Let's trust the Lord tonight. Let's trust the Lord tonight. Heaven and earth will pass away. But his word will never pass away.